Well, I just want to thank all our readers and our soloists for taking us through the beautiful story and the Christmas account of Christ's birth. Would you just appreciate them just for a moment? Thank you. And is it in, isn't it incredible that the beginning of the New Testament, we have four gospel accounts that tell us about the life of Jesus. We can rely on the Bible as we read through the gospel message. Most of what we've heard tonight has been from the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke. Matthew was a tax collector. He was called by Jesus. He left what he did and he followed. Would have spoken many languages, one of which was Greek. Luke, Luke was a doctor. Luke became a Christian under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And he spent some time traveling with Paul. And on his travels, he would have interviewed some of the people who knew Jesus personally. And he drew together all of these personal testimonies so that we could read them in his gospel. In fact, it's thought that his detail in the Christmas narrative was um, about Jesus' birth was from Mary herself. And so we have two of the three accounts that we've heard from so far. And I just want to thank Lilies for reading there John's Gospel. Now what's interesting about John's Gospel is that he manages to tell us not what happened, but why it happened. I don't know whether you noticed in that last reading, we don't hear about the angels we don't hear about the shepherds or the magi. We don't hear about Mary or Joseph or the troubles that maybe they were having. But instead, John engages us with the why. Why is this gospel account so important? And he tells us why it's so important that Jesus came. John was one of the 12 disciples. He was an eyewitness to the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And his account is not only accurate, but it's considered to be the most personal of all the gospel that we read. I always think it's a little bit humorous that John is writing about himself and says this, that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know whether there was a bit of competition between the disciples, but John wrote that about himself. He also writes that he is the beloved. And uh, I, can't, uh, I, I can just imagine maybe him writing that with a, a slight smirk on his face and going, yeah, that was me. In today's language, he was tight with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they enjoyed each other's company. And John is actually writing his gospel well into his 70s. And he's writing it to Jews and Gentiles. He's writing it maybe with a, 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 a broader perspective. And it's him who introduces us to Jesus as the Word. He introduces us to Jesus as the light. He introduces us to Jesus as God and introduces us to Jesus as a man. 
And if we were going to sum up the gospel of John, it would be this. He had an amazing economy of words. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. What an incredible truth. And so into the silence, God speaks. Into the darkness shines the light. Into the loneliness, God sends his son. And into the hopelessness, God sends a Messiah. John says in chapter 1, verse 9, about halfway through what was just read, he tells us that the light was for everyone. And if we don't know maybe some of the backstory, we might not realize how important this statement is. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Say recognize. There's a real irony here, isn't it? That God created the world. God sends his son, and the world doesn't even recognize the very one who created them. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you go away from the conversation thinking, I'm not sure who that was? Anyone had that? Yeah, don't nudge the person next to you. Have you ever had it the other way around? Maybe when you're having a conversation with someone and you've walked away going, they have no idea who I was. <laughs> you're, you're laughing because you know it's happened. I remember once um, uh, a friend of mine, I was working with him as a musician and uh, we were booked by a record label to do an end of tour celebration. And uh, being musicians, and most of the people there were uh, tour managers, performers, artists, uh, orchestra players, etc., uh, etc. Et and uh, afterwards, everyone was keen just to have a, a chat with you and spend some time together. And um, I, I remember just meeting a few people and, uh, uh, you know, generally by first name terms. And I came home and I said to my wife, oh, there was a few people there. And I spoke to, you know, a few people. And it turns out that I had spent most of my evening with one of the members of Take That. Um, and I didn't even realize. Yeah, I know. Um, to be honest, my wife was more excited about it than I was. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought, wow, he was really down to, to earth. I did not recognize him. He was different maybe to what I was expecting. And that's why the Jewish people in the New Testament did not recognize Jesus. He wasn't what they were expecting. You see, the Jewish people at this time were expecting the Messiah to have ties um, uh, to ideals of a powerful political leader who was going to liberate them from Rome. And that was going to establish a kingdom for them. Jesus' message was not about establishing a physical kingdom. It was about establishing 
a spiritual kingdom. And from there eyes, the lack of overt political action did not align with their expectations. Jesus' approach often differed from the legalistic interpretation of the law amongst the religious elite. Some wanted to see the restoration of Israel's political independence and the rebuilding of the temple at this time. But Jesus' humble beginnings, his association with the marginalized, led many to reject him as Messiah. You see, Jesus didn't fit in to what they wanted. He wasn't what they were expecting. They didn't recognize him because their expectations were more concerned with the here and now, more concerned with the focus on themselves But God had a bigger picture. God had a bigger plan. And God's plan was for salvation, not just for Israel, but for the whole world. John goes on. And once he's identified that they did not recognize him and they did not receive him, he says this. He says, Yet, in our language we tend to use but, don't we, a little bit more than yet. It puts a comma. Something is going to happen to all. Would you say all? All. To all who did receive. Ah, John tells us that not everyone didn't recognize, not everyone rejected and did not receive. But yet, to all who did receive. Receive him to those whom John pauses for a moment. He's trying to think of how do I explain to people who don't know someone how to receive and recognize him. And he does something that theologians and historians say has never been done before. He takes the Greek word pestuo which means to believe, to trust, to have faith. And he partners it. He coins a phrase with a very simple connecting word, ish, in the Greek, which means in. And he comes up with this phrase, to believe in. They tell us that this has never been put together before. In fact, John uses it ten times, nine other times in his gospel. So it clearly, for him, helps us because he's writing to us to understand what it is like to receive someone who maybe we haven't yet recognized. And it's more than just believe. It's believe in. It's more than just trust. It's trust in. It's more than lean. It's lean on. It's more than just to have faith, but to have faith in. And those who recognize, those who receive him by believing in 
his name. John then goes on to tell us that he, God, gave them the right to become, say become, children of God. How incredible and how amazing is that? That God has a plan for each one of us, for you and for me, that is more incredible than what we are right now. God has a plan for us to become something greater than we are right now. And it starts with recognizing. It starts with receiving. It starts with believing in. And then he gives us the right to become. Being called a child of God comes with a profound privilege that shapes both our identity and our relationship with him. As a child of God, we inherit a new identity. We become heirs of the kingdom, like it says in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, and we receive God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, and his freedom. This identity, it gives us a sense of belonging and purpose to belong to the family of God. Being a child of God means that we have an intimate relationship with our creator. God restored the relationship between himself and the ones he created, you and I. We have direct access to him through prayer and communion, through fellowship and guidance that we can receive and we can experience his presence in our life every day. As children of God, he protects and he provides for us. This doesn't mean that everything in life is going to go smoothly, that we're going to manage to skip through life without any challenges. But we do have the assurance that God is with us. I love that. Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. We could preach this together. Amen. And we have a confidence that God works all things together for our good, Romans 8, 28. And he provides according to his will and his wisdom. And yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How can we draw closer to God today? You might say it's difficult to recognize God. Well, what is your expectation? Maybe like we found in the New Testament that it was because the expectation was differing from who God is. I know this is that he will exceed our expectation If we receive and believe in him. And that we accept his gift of being a child of God. I wonder if John was standing here today. What question he would have for us. 
I think it would be so simple. He had an amazing economy with words. It'd be simply this. Do you believe in him? I wonder if as an old man, well into his 70s, like I said earlier, when he was penning his account, whether he thought that we would know and be reading it today. Possibly one of the most well-known verses, we've already heard it in the service, is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, and there it is. He says, what's that phrase again that I used? Ah, Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We may know that. But John carries on. And sometimes by only knowing that one verse, we miss this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And just to make sure that we don't miss it, that we don't miss out. John then at the end of his gospel in chapter 20, 31, he says this. But these things, so all of what he has written, including what we've looked at tonight. And these things are written so that you may believe in Jesus. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you and I may have life in his name. This is where we get the idea of a personal saviour from. That Jesus is a saviour to the world, but he's also a saviour for you and me. That God loves the whole world, but he loves you and me. And that we can have a personal relationship with him. Jesus came into the world to die for us. And I can imagine John thinking, maybe even saying, if you don't see it yet, it took us a while too. The disciples were with Jesus for three, three and a half years. And they didn't always see it. They didn't always get it, but eventually they did. And I don't know who is in this evening or who is listening in online. But I think John would say, if you haven't had that revelation, that recognition of who Jesus is, keep seeking. Keep asking. It took us a while too. And he finishes with that beautiful verse. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And we have seen his glory. See, eventually they got it. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth.
And so I would love for us just to take a moment, if that's okay. We have heard the whole Christmas story read to us. We've sung songs and had some amazing soloists minister to us in song. And I would love everyone just to bow their head and just take a moment to reflect. Do you believe? Our hope is that you would find the truth of who Jesus is over this Christmas season and when you come together.